Welcome to Joyfully Queer, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the vibrant colors of our community and the strength and resilience that lies at the heart of it all. I'm your host, Bethany, your guide to all things queer and joyful. I'm an activist, an artist, an interfaith spirituality and wellness coach, and a proud member of the LGBTQ community. Here at Joyfully Queer, we are exploring the beauty of our lives and identities. We're here to be a reminder that our joy is powerful, resilient, and absolutely worth celebrating. From the smallest victories to the grandest of achievements, we're diving deep into the moments that make our souls sing. We're here to have fun, explore the fullness of our stories, and celebrate the impact that being free to live our most authentic lives has, both in our community and in the world. We'll be chatting with incredible guests, exploring personal narratives, and unpacking the things that makes the queer experience special. So whether you're a member of the LGBTQ community or an ally, Joyfully Queer is the place for you. So let's get started. Happy New Year, and welcome back to Episode 7 of Joyfully Queer. I want to thank everyone who has listened to the podcast and shared it with others so far. It's been really amazing for me to see how this community is already starting to grow. It's only been a few months. It's only been, you know, this is the seventh episode, and um, I'm just really excited to see all the people who are excited about this project. Because embracing and expressing queer joy is something I've been passionate about for years now. Um, I've been doing research and talking with people about it since October of 21. And when I ask people what brings them the most joy, the answer that I get most consistently is um, it is found within relationships and communities where we can be accepted and loved and exist authentically as as ourselves. Having access to other people who support you, love you, and affirm you is so incredibly important. And so I wanted to let you all know that um, one of my goals with this podcast has always been to create more space for us to connect and support each other. And I'm hoping to do that through social media in the new year. Uh, I'm thinking about starting some groups up on Patreon or uh, coffee. Um, is it coffee or Ko-Fi? I never know. Uh, tell me in the comments. <laughs> um, so if you're interested in having this sort of a space where we can come together and support each other, where we can share our stories, uh, where we can talk about ways to find more joy and to bring more joy into our lives, uh, then let me know because I can't wait to see how this community can continue to grow. And I want to do that um, with you. I, I want to know uh, how you want to be involved. So please let me know. Shoot me a message. Um, you can email me at joyfullyqueerpod at gmail.com or you can leave a comment on any of my socials um, or leave a review on Spotify or Apple podcasts. Anyway, uh, to kick off the idea of finding community, I'm really excited that my friend Calvin is on the podcast with me today. He's here to talk about his experience in 
coming out and finding support and chosen family within the community groups that he's been a part of. And I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. I hope you do. Calvin, I'm so excited that you're on the podcast. Um, Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for the listeners? Sounds good. My name is Calvin. I am a transgender man and my pronouns are he, him, his. I have a lot of friends in the local queer community and connections as well. One of my New Year's resolutions was to actually become more active in the local community. I would like to add too that I speak from my own experiences. These are my own thoughts, my own words and perceptions, and I do not speak for any group of people. I really love that you included that. I think um, that's really important to remember that all of these conversations, we can only speak to our personal perspectives, right? Um, Absolutely. And there are definitely like trends within experiences for sure, but um, I can't speak to anyone else's experience either, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like a lot of people who are not queer, I call this the cookie cutter syndrome or whatever thing where they think that all queer people are sort it's like a cookie cutter we're all the same we all want the same goals we have the same thought processes I see a lot within the trans community too a lot of cis people think we all have the same goals for transition we all want the same things we're all alike in reality we're just as diverse And with a myriad of different kinds of people in as the cishet community, if not more so, I would say. Yeah, there's so much nuance that unless um, people take the time to really get to know others, um, we just don't hear a lot of the time, I think. Correct. Yeah. And I'm glad you're doing this podcast because that way you can get some voices out, some representation. I love that. I do too. And I'm so excited that you're, um, that you're on the podcast. Um, and since our topic is queer joy, I wanted to know if you wanted to talk about what brings you queer joy. Absolutely. So what brings me queer joy is the strong community of queer people that I see and how much good this community does. Mm -hmm. Um, when I mean by queer community, so basically what defines community Uh, According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a community is defined as a group of people with common characteristics or an interest living together within a larger society. I think that for me, finding a community has been a really important part of my journey. Um, where, Where have you found the most community? Like, how did you find community when you were first looking for it? Well, when I first came out as trans, I actually had been going to a transgender support group for a while while identifying it for my, while identifying as cis. My fiance at the time was a trans is a trans woman, and I went to her for moral support. Now I'd always known internally something you know wasn't cis, but I didn't have language for it. And when I went to this group. I heard these people, I heard trans people's experiences and I said, wow, these really mirror mine, you know? And so when I, so that was, I was very blessed that when me and my fiance parted ways, the local trans community really came together to support me, help financially, housing, food, 
clothes, things I didn't have access to at the time. And there's been many other experiences like that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've found that um, something that's really beautiful about having a queer community around you is um, having people to learn from, you know, people who have already experienced some of the things that we're going through. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Did, was that something that you found in your group? Yeah, definitely. So um, the group, yeah, so I've actually been to a few trans support groups. The one trans support group I've been going to for the longest time actually is a trans is um a local group that I have found so much love and community, altruism, helpfulness connected in. It's one I still go. I went to it when I did the beginning of my transition, actually, when about let's see, nine years ago, and I still go to the group. Mm -hmm. I'm active in their discord and that is one thing as I mentioned my new year's resolution was to become more active in it it's volunteer-led it is peer-led so that is something to also consider when Mm -hmm. thinking about the group Mm -hmm. have you found that um, since you've been in the group for several years now that your role in the group has shifted at all a little bit. Actually, now that I think about it, it is, it has. Uh, when I first started going to the group, this was before I started to medically transition, which for that mean, for me, that means starting hormones, testosterone for me. And I remember looking at the trans people in the group, all of them had been medically transitioning for some time. I remember looking up to them, feeling intimidated by them because they were talking about very big milestones in transition, changing names, possible surgeries. And at that time, I was so out of the closet. I just, it was intimidating to say the least. But then when I, the further along I go in my transition, the more knowledge I pick up. I realize that I am that person to these newly out trans people in the group. And I that is why I try to be so inclusive, so helpful. I listen to them and make sure that they also feel affirmed in the way that I felt affirmed. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest gifts that you can give someone else. Absolutely. The space to be themselves authentically and in a loving, a loving space where they can be themselves authentically. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really the building blocks that are needed for um, people to be able to experience that like freedom and that joy. Because if you're, if you're worried about not being able to be authentically yourself or having to hide yourself or even being around people who just don't understand your experiences, then Um, I think that it's really easy to put filters up. Um, And I think when you're able to find community where you can just be yourself and let loose and um, be free, then you're able to let in that joy in ways that you're not able to in a lot of other spaces. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not just about expressing yourself. It's finding language. It's something simple as finding language for who you are and who you might be, what you identify with at the time. I remember, so I had never heard of, you know, I was born in the 80s, right? And grew up in the early 90s, the 90s. Representation of queer and trans people, especially trans people, was 
was very negative. And I, that's all I knew. It wasn't until I went to the university that I started realizing, hey, there are trans people who I really resonate with. I think that one of the really beautiful things about being introduced to language that maybe you haven't heard before is it helps you to understand your experience in different ways. Um, You know, like I know for me, I came out as bisexual in high school and then kind of transitioned to identifying as a lesbian in college um, for a lot of reasons, mostly that I was like mostly um, interested in cis women. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. And it's like, like one of those, I was just going to say, you live, you have your own identity, like I mentioned earlier, from your own experiences. Mm-hmm. But then when you meet other people in the queer community, and that is what is so important about community as well as not only expressing yourself, but like finding out people who are like you, people right. who have survived, people who have lived. For me, like as I've grown, as I've met other people, as I've like experienced the world and been introduced to like new concepts, new questions, um, I feel like I am finding better language to um, describe my identity. So now I like I identify as queer um, Mm -hmm. and it feels like the best for me. But like five years down the road, who knows? Right. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) For me, I had a similar experience, actually, when I first came out it was a bisexual woman you know at the time like I mentioned I didn't know what trans was I didn't have any positive trans representation so I remember being very averse to the concept that I could be anything but cis Mm -hmm. but I knew I wasn't straight you know I was not I was a member of the queer community but I had no language to describe myself later on I came out as non-binary then later on, I came out as finally a binary trans man. Part of me thinking I was bi- non-binary was because of the, if you recall, the cookie cutter stuff that, you know, cis people tend to do or cis people tend to do for trans people. I realized that you don't have to be a certain way, that there are other people who are like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also that you can be whoever you are without um, having to worry about fitting into that mold, into that cookie cutter. Um, exactly. Just like yes. live as the person that you want to be. And that's okay. Exactly. And I find that sort of love and community and that sort of like mentality among the local community here, especially. And that's what I really like. I mean, I go to a trans masculine group. Mm-hmm. where people will show up in dresses and make up traditionally femme things and nobody bats an eye. I know that sometimes, you know, some groups are uneasy about that and fit into the cookie cutter thing, but not our group. Our group our group is very accepting of all different types of people, all different gender expressions, pronouns. It's not just like, you like to focus on, you know, like, uh, I remember you talked a lot about language and the emotional side. One thing that I really did want to talk about, though, is um, 
how to form community, examples of community that you can apply to your own lives. And I feel like that would be really helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, if someone's listening to this podcast who hasn't found their community yet, what, what suggestions or advice do you have for them? I would say, let's see, social media for, for better, for worse, social media is a very good place to start. I see all the time, Facebook, Instagram, they're advertising things like queer book clubs, queer clothing swaps. Myself, I found out through social media about a queer arts and crafts um, group. Well, I would say if so, social media is a good foundation. Then I would say, uh, think, brainstorm things that you are interested in that you could possibly do for to meet friends, like clothing, organize a clothing swap, talk to other queer people, maybe in the community if you have those, and make up in a. So, for an example. One of my friends who lives in the South has no queer community, local queer community, and wants to build one. Well, what I suggested to them was, hey, we do a lot of clothing swaps, which are very popular, and you have a lot of clothes that you've been meaning to get rid of. So therefore, if you maybe post up flyers, post on social media about a clothing swap that you are organizing... Where a clothing swap, by that I mean people bring clothes and they exchange clothes and bring clothes home. And she and they thought that that was a really good idea. When they put that into practice, it really helped them mm -hmm. to find people who are like them. One thing I like to do is mutual aid. See, I'm just, I myself am disabled, so I'm limited in what I can do. But um, what which a lot, one of my friends, my queer friends, he was experiencing food instability where he was having trouble accessing food and affording food. Well, for me, I cook a lot. I know how to cook on a budget and I know how to cook many different meals depending on different allergies. So what I do periodically is I invite him over to my place, making meals, I meal prep for him and I did things like I helped him get on food stamps and that was, and he very much appreciated that. And um, another time was when I went to a university, once upon a time ago, I went to a university with a queer peer mentorship program and I had where they took new students who were queer and they matched them up with students who had upperclassmen who had been there for a while who are also queer. My, my mentor did things for me like they found poetry readings for me. They were the one who found the transmasculine group for me and decided to come along with me as a support system. Mm -hmm. They did things for me like, yeah, and that, and um, yeah. Queer, and they um they even went with me to the group as a support system. Yeah, I think that having people who walk alongside you in your mm -hmm. journey is something that's really special. And when you're able to do that for others, you know, that's also very special. It's part of that just being in community with one another. 
It is. It's very special. What would you say um, is your favorite part about the groups that you're a part of? The love and the acceptance that I see and the willingness to help altruistically. Yeah, that's been that's been my experience too. Um, since moving to Las Cruces, there's not very much in terms of like finding in-person queer community. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that trying to look online and finding different resources, that's um, a really powerful way to connect with folks. Um, Absolutely. And connect with folks, you know, like who have shared interests, not just shared identities, right? So oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I love the idea of your uh, your arts and crafts group. Like, I wish I could go to that. That sounds amazing, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that that... Um, there, there are so many different topics that it would be really fun to have groups centered around. A quote that uh, someone from a support group, from a, well, a group said, a trans group, was that we are more than trans people. We are also people. Mm-hmm. And that's very important to remember when thinking about the queer community is that we are people. We've got needs and hopes, joy, we find joy in things as well. We're different. We are very diverse, but we are connected. In times like this are very challenging, and the importance of community is even more important than ever right now. So uh, what what ways do you see community in your life? I see it um, through friends, through social media, through social media for one. I see events being shared on social media for queer groups, arts and crafts groups, nature walks, all that stuff. And then I see also people asking for things like mutual aid. Mutual aid involves helping the local community and in ways such as cooking meals for them, driving, helping with transportation to events and appointments. And also, just like doing things like providing some muscle, you know, for moving. When one of our community members needs to move, they post that they need help moving. I would say about like seven people comment saying, I can help this time. I can help that time. It's very inspiring. I've had those same opportunities offered to me too. And it has just been the world of difference in my life. And that's what it's all about is making a difference. And the way to make a difference is to find community to work together and create hope, create joy, like you said. I think that what you're describing sounds um, sounds like a village. Yes. So with everybody chipping in and people, you know, it's that um, give a penny, take a penny. Yes, absolutely. You know, like if I have something that I can give and then someone else has something that they can give to me, we're making each other's lives better. Absolutely. So I'm um, I'm hoping that we can get some folks to leave some comments and let us know what sort of communities they've found 
and how community has impacted their lives. Because I think that this is a really important topic that um, we need to be doing more talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kelvin, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And I can't wait to have you on again. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You have a lovely day and I will be, I'm looking forward to listening to this. Glimmer. As you know, by now, this is my absolute favorite part of the podcast. This is the part of the show that gives us a time to lift up the things that make us smile and celebrate moments that remind us all that even in the midst of life's challenges, there's always a glimmer of joy. The thing I want to lift up today is the Drag Queen Christmas Tour. Now, if you haven't heard of it, It's an annual event that features some of the most iconic drag queens from the television show RuPaul's Drag Race, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, The tour is festive. It's entertaining. It's an evening filled with holiday-themed performances, uh, comedy, music, and of course, elaborate costumes. And honestly, they take the theme holiday very, very loosely. Um, it's always so funny to me to see like what counts as being holiday themed at a drag show. (laughs) I actually first started going to holiday themed drag shows over a decade ago in Michigan. And when Kelsey and I started dating in 2017, we began going together every year. Um, so we went several times in Kansas city and then we moved out here to the desert. And, uh, I've said before on the podcast that since moving out here, Sometimes we feel a little lonely for queer community. Um, We live in a very live and let live environment that's pretty accepting. Um, We feel very safe here. Um, There just really isn't a lot of specifically queer events or spaces that are easy for us to access. And so I look forward every year now to attending um, the Drag Queen Christmas Tour because it comes to El Paso. And there's something so beautiful about attending a live show in a packed theater full of other LGBTQ plus folks and allies from, I mean, from all around New Mexico and Texas and Juarez. So if you haven't had a chance to see the Drag Race Queens on one of their tours, uh, I highly recommend it. It's super fun. And who doesn't want to experience an evening of drag with some of your favorite queens? Anyway, that's my glimmer glimmer for this week. If you have a glimmer that you would like to submit to the podcast, you can do that by emailing me at joyfullyqueerpod at gmail.com. If you liked this episode and want to help the Joyfully Queer community grow, there are a few things you can do. Please make sure you like subscribe and leave a positive review for joyfully queer on your favorite podcasting site and don't forget to follow us on facebook at joyfully queer and on instagram at joyfully queer podcast i truly want this podcast to represent our community so if you would like to be a guest on the show or if you have a topic that you think would make a great episode please email me at joyfullyqueerpod at gmail.com Until next time, this is your host, Bethany, 
wishing you a queertastic day. <laughs>